Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, July 30th, 2021. What is the most important thing in your life? What is your life all about? And now you might think you know the answer to that, but sometimes really the circumstances in our life reveal that about us. Sometimes what we think our life is all about is what it is, and sometimes what we think our life is all about might not be what it is all about. And really how we handle adversity, how we handle loss, how we handle struggles will do a great bit to reveal what our life is all about and what is the most important thing to us. And today we're going to see that from the Apostle Paul in Philippians, as we look at Philippians 1, 15 through 30. And now remember, Paul is writing this from prison. He is going through a hard time. And as you read this, he seems very bitter, very angry, very frustrated and disappointed. Wait, sorry, I must be reading the wrong book. No, he seems the opposite of those things. He's upbeat. He's optimistic. He's confident. He's even handling adversity uh, pretty well. And so as we go through uh, this, we're going to see why that is, because what is his life all about? Uh, To start, it starts in the middle there of a section in verse 15, where he's talking about people that um, don't like him and people that are kind of glad that he's in prison because they feel like, well, this has given us an opportunity to, to, to do more and to make a name for ourselves. And he kind of says, you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care as long as they're preaching Christ. If Christ is preached, I'll rejoice in that. Instead of being angry or bitter or frustrated about that, he's rejoicing that Christ is being preached. Now, why is that? Well, it comes down to probably the most famous verse in the passage today, and maybe even in the whole book of Philippians, where it says in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he was a guy who was in prison for doing ministry, um, being persecuted for his faith and for his ministry. And he is basically saying, hey, I'm. it's not a Big deal if I die and if I live on, it's all about serving Christ. The main thing in Paul's life was Christ. And even the way I love the way he puts it, he says to live is Christ. He doesn't just say Christ is the most important thing. No, Christ is life. And uh, we think about what that means for us. It's not that Christ is the number one priority on our list and then everything else. No, Christ is the whole list. He is in everything that we're doing. And that's the way we should think about life. The most important thing to you should be Jesus. Your life should be all about Jesus Christ, knowing him, worshiping him, trusting him, serving him. And if you really do that, it's going to show up big time in how you handle adversity. And really, that's what we see In the Apostle Paul, he's in a very tough situation, but he is handling it well because he says, I don't really care about my comfort. I don't really care about the things I accomplish in life. Life is Christ. Christ is life. And then when I die, hey, that's gain because I get to be with Christ. And that is what it's, it's all about. 
to him. And that's what our lives need to be all about. I love how he expresses it in verse 25. He says, convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I love that. Some of that speaks to me as a pastor that I want to work for people's progress and for their joy in the faith. That's what I want to see. And I want people, uh, because I'm able to encourage them for them to glory in Christ Jesus. And even that's the goal, not for people to glory in us, but for them to glory in Christ Jesus. Now, you might not be a pastor, but as you practice the one another's of scripture, as you uh, think about people that, that you serve with or are in a small group with or that you love and know in the Lord, is your goal that they would continue for progress and joy in the faith and that because of your influence in their life, they would glory in Christ Jesus? And he really puts the finger on us, starting in verse 27, really on the Philippians, and, and therefore kind of us. Uh, and he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That, hey, if our life is all about Christ, our life will reflect that. We will live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And one way that's going to show itself is we're going to be side by side. It starts off here with even an idea of unity. We're standing firm in one spirit. And we need to realize the devil is going to try to divide us a thousand different ways as believers. But when some of those things are the most important things in our lives, when some of those things are what our lives are all about, that division is going to be a lot easier. But when our lives are truly all about Christ, well, then we are going to see um, we're going to see unity because some of the other things fade to the side because what we're centered on is Christ. And we're not frightened in verse 28 in anything by our opponents. This is a clear sign of them, of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so there it makes it clear, hey, not only um, are we saved because of Christ, but we are, we're also going to suffer for his sake. And because our life is all about Christ, that is okay. Again, that sets us up to deal with adversity because of what we're expecting. We're expecting it, but really it's all about Christ. I started by asking what's most important to you, what is your life all about, and how that's connected to how you deal with adversity. Because the question is, how are you going to respond when that most important thing in your life is taken away from you? And many times that's what starts so many problems in people's lives. Really, they have an idol. And when that idol is taken away, well, they go into a tailspin uh, and their life is out of control because they're not getting what they want. The good news is when your life is all about Christ, that can never be taken away from you. Christ can never be taken away from you. And so that is what you want. Uh, that is really um, what you need in life. I, I want to serve Christ. I want to worship Christ. And when that really is your heart's desire, you're going to get it because no one can take Christ away from you. If you live, it's Christ. If you die, it's gain because you'll go be with Christ. 
And so this is good perspective for us as we think through our own lives and even as we think about how we handle adversity. Uh, Let's move on now to Luke chapter 8, verses 49 through 56. And here, we kind of read the first part of this miracle. It's kind of an interrupted miracle. Jesus is going to Jairus' house, but yesterday this woman with this issue of blood interrupts him. Well, today we see him get to the house. And uh, as he... As it happens, they are told, your your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. And this seems to be before they even get to the house. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. And even that phrase, do not fear, only believe. Those are words that kind of have a way of jumping off the page at you. As words, man, I want to take those words, do not fear, only believe, and write them down in my journal. And we need to be careful as we think through those things, because I think that is a good thing. Those were the verses that spoke the most to me as I read through this. But there's a way we can do that and just kind of take a phrase from the Bible and turn it into like a self-help power of positive thinking thing. Or there's a way that we can do it understanding what it means and really understanding what it should mean to us as believers. Um, Because if we just want to say, hey, do not fear, only believe, and just apply that to whatever random situation in our life, we need to be a little bit careful. Uh, Because notice, even if you just take do not fear, only believe, and she will be well, uh, this do not fear, only believe is based on a promise that Jesus is making, that she will be well. The reason you shouldn't be afraid, the reason you shouldn't believe is ultimately based on something that Jesus said. So if we just take do not fear, only believe and apply it to random situations in our lives based on our feelings, that's not going to be very good. But if we take this principle of do not fear, only believe, and we apply it to situations in our life and we base it on the word of God, well, now we've got something. Because there are a lot of situations in our lives where we need to look at the promises of God's word and be reminded of them. And we do need to tell ourselves, do not fear, only believe. And so as we think through those things, hopefully you start to think of some situations in your life and you need to be comforted by the words. Do not fear, only believe. And I'd encourage you, give some definition to those words. What are you believing? I guess that's kind of the biggest problem. Belief and faith have become values in our society, but you always have to say, believe in what? Faith in what? So take that extra step as you are encouraged by those words. And as you think through specific situations in your life, don't just say, do not fear, only believe. Tell yourself, what are you believing in? What are some of the promises of God or the character qualities of God that you are really believing in as you apply those words? And speaking of the promises of God, we'll see those as we turn now back to the book of Psalms and Psalm 89 verses 29 through 37. And here we're going to be reminded of the faithful promise keeping nature of God as he gets into the promises that he has made with David. And the verse that some of the verses that stick out is starting in verse 34 I will not violate my covenant or alter the words that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. 
He, God is going to keep his promises. And so you can rest assured God's going to keep the promises that he has made to you. And so do not fear, only believe and believe in those promises. That's what you want to do. Well, let's wrap up today by looking at 2 Chronicles 24 and 25. And as we look at these, we see two kings that seem to have something of a good start, but then not so good of a finish. Most tragic, perhaps, is Joash, who is this boy king. But once this priest dies, Jehoiada, who had been this influence in his life, his life really seems to go on off the rails and into idolatry. And it's even so sad that the son of the man that really saved Joash's life, made him king, kind of raised him up. The son of Jehoiada, Zechariah, is killed, is martyred, really, um, by Joash. And Joash ends up uh, being conspired against and killed by some of his servants. And it even says uh, they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. A sad ending for Joash. And even as we talked about praying for Camp Compass yesterday, well, one of the things we were praying for is that these kids would have deep-seated convictions and a deep-seated faith in God that's not based on their parents or just some influence in their life, but is really coming from their own hearts. And then we see Amaziah have a victory. Uh, and he even talks about how the Lord is um, with them as he assembles the troops. But then we see idolatry after that victory and pride as he goes and tries to pick a fight with Israel that he ends up losing. So there's a lesson there in continuing to trust God and not getting puffed up in ourselves or in our own wisdom. And it brings us back to, hey, our life shouldn't be about us. It shouldn't be about ourselves. It shouldn't be about our wisdom. It should be all about Christ. To live is Christ. And so that's what we want to focus on today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.